Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one, I guess, of Midweek Metagame. I'm your co-host, Gabriel Nassif, and I'm joined by my uh, old regular co-host, Pat. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be back. Thanks for being patient. It is nice to be back, and we're back with our hopefully new permanent co-host, Canister. What's up? Hello. It is a pleasure to join you in midweek uh, metagame season two. And hopefully it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we said midweek metagame next generation, but se season two, okay. Why not? Why not? Why not? not too bad. Yeah. Anyways, we're excited to be here. It's been a while. Um, you know, I was a little busy. Pat's been really busy too. Uh, so we, we, we were kind of not recording for a while and, uh, yeah, we're back. Harry is, um, some of you might know, focusing on his YouTube channel. He's a bit also out of touch with competitive cause he's, that's not exactly what his YouTube channel is about. So he felt like, um, it didn't make as much sense for him to be part of the podcast anymore. And, uh, yeah, we fit. We figured we needed a third and honestly, Canister was the first person I thought about and we had already recorded a few episodes with him as a guest. And when I, you know, suggested Canister to Pat, he was like, I'm in, I really enjoyed yeah. the episodes we did together and, you know, Canister said yes. So I, I think our exchange went something like, we should probably get a third person. I was like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. And he said, what about Canister? I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, you said he's in about 30 minutes later. So here we are. It's great. It's great to have Simple. you. Long time fan of your stream and I uh, enjoyed the episodes we've done together. So it's going to be fun to fun to get to pick your brains. Assuredly. Speaking about uh, being out of touch of competitive play, we can start by uh, talking about the regional championship Athens that took uh, place in, well, Athens in Greece uh, last weekend. Uh, it's been a very nice trip for me, but my results at the RC weren't particularly excellent. I dropped at 3-4, which means it's going to be... Which means that Barcelona is going to be the first Pro Tour that I will be skipping in, I guess, six years of playing all of them. So, a little bit uh, bitter, maybe not the happiest about that uh, course of action here. Yeah, yeah. I wanted, to, yeah, I wanted to ask you about it. How you felt, and obviously, not great. Um, you can't. I guess you can't qualify for worlds this year anymore. You had never, you had never missed a PT ever since you kind of got on the train and stuff. You had never missed one, never skipped one. Always been qualified for everything. You were part of the original MPL too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original, so, yeah. So you were were you MPL the whole way through from from beginning to end? MPL and then the rivals towards yeah. the end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I uh, I never I was lucky enough to never like not be qualified for a PT. But when I had to skip my first PT, it was a little uh, for like you know outside of the games reason. It was when I was playing a little less, and I guess it's all different because it's when I was playing a little less, and we were, I think, apartment hunting, so it was not not the best timing, and I think maybe it was far too in Hawaii. I loved Hawaii, but 
I'm fortunate enough to have never had this problem. Yeah. Before. I guess it's a little different when you're active and stuff, when you're, when you're streaming, yeah. but, um, you said you're still going, right? Yes. Yes. I'm still going to Barcelona. There is going to be a big, uh, house of Polish players and uh, my former teammates from the team sewer rats. So we're still going to be staying. I'm going to go to Barcelona. I'll play in the PTQs. Uh, I'll play in the Secret Lair showdown. Maybe I'll end up winning the Brainstorm or the Ragavans, which are worth exorbitant amounts of money. So <laughs> these, these are the, still the gonna be that are worth like more than, more than uh, any of the kind of non-top eight prizes in the PT, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is like honestly pretty close EV wise, probably looking That's at great. the other tournaments. So, yeah. Are they, and so these these PDQs that are going on, are they that presumably that regional championship qualifiers, right? Not no, no. At the qualifiers. they do have straight up PDQs. I'm pretty Ooh. sure at the Sick. Magic Guns. Isn't that qualify for the next uh, next PT? Isn't that the ones for the people who are? qualified for the pt in barcelona but like don't make day two or something or it's on the sunday they also have real real direct ptqs during magic con yeah both of those take place there is a ptq for pt players who have failed to requalify for the next pro tour which takes place on sunday and you have to have played in the in the pro tour to be eligible to participate in that but there is also just open PDQs. I'll, I I will f- double check right now because yeah, I am afraid that I am saying things no, that are not a friend true. Of mine said, a friend of mine said similar things who's uh, obviously not qualified but he was telling me, asking if I was going to come down and the fact that there's direct PDQs, that's that's pretty tempting. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure there are PDQs and I'm pretty sure they're going to be in sealed in Barcelona. Yeah. I'm obviously also going, I think we have 15 players on our team this time around, and it's going to be like 10 or 11 of us in in a house suit, definitely looking forward to it. We're going to be talking a bit about Modern in this episode, was the Lord of the Ring cards, the full, the full set is spoiled, kind of catching up a bit, I guess it's been a while. Um, yeah, you know, not yeah, everyone, yeah, not everyone listening, you know, Nestle watches my podcast or Canister's podcast or follows get smart on, on Twitter and, and get the latest news. But um, yeah, we're going to be talking modern. I want to talk a bit about Pioneer. Pioneer is going to be the, um, we know some of the formats. So Barcelona's modern was the Lord of the Ring sets, which is legal in modern and older sets and is illegal on Arena and Historic. We know that Worlds is going to be draft plus standard, I believe, just these two formats. And we know that the first round of regionals next year, I think the European one is in France, actually, in Lille, is going to be Pioneer. So, you know, Pioneer is probably not going to change much till then. So it's it's definitely relevant for, you know, for me, for most competitive players to 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 talk about that stuff. And, you know, you, you played Sacrifice. I feel like throughout the history or the recent history of, Pioneer, when I think about deck with high win rates that are necessarily not super represented, I'll, I think of Ragdos Sacrifice and I think of Lotus Fields. And, you know, I want to know if you kind of agreed and why, 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 why did you end up playing Sacrifice 
mostly based on vibes because I enjoy the deck, but also I've been having okay results with it, not particularly spectacular, but okay results with it. And it does seem to do the thing you are mentioning where it has an exceptionally high win rate in most matri matrixes from tournaments. Uh, despite low representation, so it does seem like a deck that is just pretty good. Yeah. And uh, especially with the latest uh, developments in the deck, which was FOTC's main deck, four copies, getting popular and getting getting stock, the deck is just uh, much closer to a proper mid-range deck nowadays that is more well-rounded and capable to, of fighting against uh, combo decks like Creativity or Lotus Field or just like anything that goes bigger control. It's capable of taking those challenges uh, much better than it used to in the past. Uh, a big gripe with Ragdos Sacrifice in the past before the adoption of Thought Seasons was that it was a very polarized deck which was excellent against creature matchups but so-so uh, to just straight up bad against uh, non-creature matchups with with Fozies. I kind of feel like it's just a great, uh, well-rounded mid-range deck. Yeah. Who did you discuss decks was before that tournament? Did you have a proper testing team, or is this more just talking with people playing on your stream? Yeah, playing mostly playing on my stream and having like a pretty informal team exchanging uh, thoughts with uh, a bunch of players and. Uh, Mostly just streaming and playing. Yeah. Um, um, how did how did the tournament? I mean, obviously the tournament didn't go well, but was it just bad matchups, bad draws, anything you would do differently in hindsight? It's always pretty hard to say. You know, pretty hard to evaluate the the amount of uh, bad luck, I guess, to, that happened to you, or if it was bad luck to begin with. Uh, I think I wasn't the most fortunate at that tournament. Uh, I think I probably definitely could make better decisions in my games. Uh, I did uh, arrive at Athens in a like pretty relaxed uh, manner on Tuesday before the RC, and I spent uh, most of the few first days in Athens chilling out, uh, at the beach, yeah, more so, more so than than hardcore playing for the for the past few days. So I cannot fully know how would it go if I would just jump ten more leagues in the past few days. Maybe it would go better. Maybe it would go worse. Uh, I think I'm not unhappy with my deck choice for the tournament. I am not particularly unhappy with my play, but I think just it didn't break my way for the most part. I don't think you could be unhappy with your deck choice, given that it almost dominated the weekend's Magic Online results. I mean, so Jabberwocky finishes second on Saturday, first on Sunday with Rekha Sacrifice. There's two more copies. Uh, well, there's, a, there's a fourth place copy on the Saturday, and then a whole bunch of whole bunch of finishes from this deck, and they all seem to be in the same vein as as what you're describing with these Thought Seasons main. And yeah, you know, you're right with like you know Fable, between Fable the Mirror Breaker and Blood Tithe Harvest. So this is just good magic cards deck with uh powerful synergies which can you know swing a few matchups what matchups do you really like the the sacrifice aspect in as opposed to the the mid-range 
the big one is mono white which is like the most pleasurable play matchup to play ever it's just like the the, the most fun matchup to play in, in the entirety of magic the gathering kind of pinging uh, small creatures with mayhem devil is uh, just very cool and your opponent is helpless you you are very much ahead uh, it's presumably slightly ahead in the Ragdos midrange mirror although that always depends a lot on the specific player how they play how they sideboard what sideboard cards they have access to what plan they they employ but uh, i think sacrifice traditionally seems to have a slight edge there and uh, it's kind of feels like a better deck to me in some aspects it's uh, leaner it has a cheaper curve it has fewer lands it has daily dispute which is great at smoothing draws out gives you more cards card advantage it's kind of like expressive iteration of of this deck right you just get to draw two and get ahead on resources uh, and that just makes uh, games so much easier when you get to do that are you favorite against Monogreen too? No, I wouldn't say so. Monogreen is a tough matchup, and uh, it's uh, there's a pretty high floor for Monogreen in the matchup, and it's pretty easy to to die. It's pretty easy for them to have draws that it's very hard for sacrifice to compete with. So you kind of need for them to hit the lower end of the range a little bit oh weird okay that's I'm not sure that's super intuitive to think that Rygos sack would be bad against a bunch of elves and stuff but i can't think of too well, the, the elves are fine the elves yeah. are fine the problem is the card and cavaliers of course yeah oh. yeah count kind of which is uh when you're leaning on that pretty heavily is not a great place to be just Coming back around to your kind of discussion of the Rakdos midrange versus Sacrifice Mirror, what sort of deck build, sideboarding, side, yeah, sideboard choices can Rakdos midrange make to swing the matchup in its favor, or to make it more favorable for them, do you think? There's a bunch of, of strats that people seem to employ when I play against midrange. They seem to have a pretty wide range of cards, but among the most scary cards are, I would say, the builds with four shouldered because that's one of the more common ways to to lose. Given that Claim the First Pawn does not answer Shouldred, the Sacrifice deck often is built in a way where it has uh, a relatively low amount of ways to answer a Shouldred, and if there is four of them, then it's pretty likely that one of them will, st will stick and will become a problem. At the RC, I lost a match to my opponent's... Uh, Sky Sovereign out of a sideboard that could also be a problem. It's uh, a card that's good at dealing with Mayhem Devils and Fable Tokens and also just clocks the Sacrifice deck uh, easily. Uh, you can also lose to Hidetsugu Consumes All. Pretty situational, but can be excellent for midrange in some spots. And I've also struggled against the Meat Hook Massacre out of Ragdos Midrange at, at a few spots when people have sideboarded that card against me. So there is certainly a bunch a bunch of cards that uh, people can use to in the in the Ragdos Midrange in the in the Ragdos sack on midrange 
pseudo yeah. mirror, let's say. Yeah, meat hook is not super common, but it is. Yeah, it's it, quite it, the spot versus uh, extinction event, particularly. Yeah, I was I was probably just going to go and and play blue black control if I had gone to Athens because I was not playing for much, but um, you know the deck I've been doing well against pretty much everything, but but Ragdos midrange I think it's a it's a bit basically better than blue white in in every matchup except for Ragdos midrange, um, but um, I was I was curious about the the blue white lotus field deck that did really well the week before. And you know, if I'd been serious about the turn, if, if I was going, if I had to to qualify, I probably would have tried to to play with that deck a bit. I only played one league with it, and it seemed it seemed fine. It seemed maybe a little clunky. Um, it had, I think, four farewell and three doomscar, or maybe other way around, and pretty you know, really no counters main deck, just discontinuity for people who have not seen the list. They're basically playing. Proctor and Lotus Field, and they're also playing Thespian Stage to copy the Lotus Field. And the deck literally has, I think, zero counter spells in the main deck. Your Ladium counter spell is just six mana discontinuity, kind of. And I was wondering yeah, more, if you... more of a Tron deck than a control deck. Yeah, in some ways, just Midrange like... Tron. Did you did you try it at all? Consider it. What do you think about it? I it... played against the. A few times on Magic Online before the RC, and I was able to not only win two matches against it, which uh, made me comfortable enough with sacrifice that I did not panic and did not last minute switch. Yeah, but I, guess I, I don't really tend to play decks like this. Yeah, I, I guess if you're beating a deck with free farewell. That's yeah. You you think like a deck like that would be would be pretty good against sacrifice? Because even just a proctor itself, I guess, can be a little annoying for the triggers and whatnot. Even though you have you have ways to kill it. Yeah, the the thing that happened with proctor in one of the matches I played on Magic Online was that my opponent played a proctor and I played a croxa and they died <laughs> to my croxa, which stuck on the battlefield. So it can be a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought the deck was interesting. I would maybe consider playing some number of Impulse or Sensor or Extra Charge Disruption just to have a little more early game instead of just playing four Deluge, four Dooms card, you know, maybe trim some of the expensive cards and play Impulse just the same way the Lotus Field combo deck plays Impulse. I think that card could could work quite well. Yeah, this is really just, just tap out tap out blue, isn't it? It's... Yeah, it's a very very different deck. No, it is, nice. and it is weird because sometimes you have these good draws, but then you don't have the the, the counter spell, and um, yeah. you know they can still win. Like you feel like you're taking over against green, but if if you don't have this continuity to stop them, you you have basically no no instant no instant speed interaction with them, so they can still combo you but you should be able to like slow them down with the, the sweepers the farewells yeah, etc it's an interesting thing right because like if you think of it it's, this mana base is structured similarly to how um lotus field combo would be would be structured and that deck's mulligan pretty aggressively to lotus field always ways to, ways to go find it and this deck can't make that sort of um, commitment to it it can't it can't just go and mollify to try and find lotus field because you just need a critical mass of things, and then otherwise, so you're stuck keeping clunky hands that don't have Lotus Field with spells you can't cast. I, I don't, I don't like what this is, 
this is X doing on the surface, I don't think. Yeah, but, had, had a really high win rate, small sample in the yeah the Canadian plus US regionals, and it was Patrick Wu in in Canada that came in second in in his RCQ or in his RC. I mean, and... it's certainly doing really powerful things, right? Like it's got great spells in it. Like Farewell's a really good magic card if you can cast it, and you know it's got all all the big hitters. And I I think if you're not prepared for this, if your opponent leads, like you know. Uh, Howard Fountain tapped on turn one, and you 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 go, you assume they're playing a certain set of things, and they're doing this, then you're going to get caught pretty off guard. I guess it's open deckless in these tournaments, so that's neither here nor there. But you're if you're preparing for this kind of you know absorbs and Dobbins vetoes counter heavy blue white deck, and this is what you wind up playing against, yeah, you might not be ready. Yeah, I think he did poorly against spirits, which makes sense. Kind of makes sense, but yeah, you can. Maybe mulling it a little aggressively because you have a bunch of memory deluge and the fairy's pretty obscene in this deck. But yeah, I guess that would take a little, a little more practice than the one league I, I played to 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 know that stuff. But yeah, honestly, when I look at this deck and I, when I think more about it, it has like all the qualities that I dislike in a deck. It's both very reactive and very rigid, and that yes. uh, just doesn't vibe well with me. I I prefer it. You know, more proactive, less rigid. Be able to, yeah. To, you know, keep my hand and and not cry. Yeah. Because, because certainly I've had that feeling. I played against against people on this deck on Magic Online. I fought these them turn one, and you know the hands you sometimes see, oh, yeah. not so aggressive. Yeah, I played this deck a decent bit on Arena, and I felt like it was basically good when the card Stern Proctor or not Stern Proctor. What's it called? I think, I, I think that's that's the name, yeah. Okay, because there's a I think there's a one two for two blue that bounces an artifact or an enchantment when it comes into play. And it's strict proctor. It's strict Rick. proctor. Stone proctor is a different card. I agree. With you. Yeah, stone proctor is a blue blue one. Like it's strict yeah. proctor. I felt like that deck was good when strict proctor was good against them. Like there was a mono white aggressive deck that was basically a bit like the the pioneer one that's all based on come into play effects and proctor shuts them down or maybe some maybe there was a food deck and it was decent against them but it felt like an okay deck to me just more swinging your draws higher variance etc so yeah i guess you know that's probably where i'll start by pioneer testing just play that deck a bunch um i'm guessing you're in the same boat as me your next pioneer Tournament is the, the RC and Lille. So, yes, yes. Like if it's you had, in, if, if you had, still a while ago. Yeah. While while ahead. Where where do you think you'll start when when you start playing Pioneer again? I'm probably gonna pick up Sacrifice again, or I'm going to pick up some decks that are doing well at the at the time if something new arises. Yeah. Speaking of something new. Uh... We actually played against one another today. Uh, both of us playing the new blue-black combo deck, because why wouldn't I take a chance to play new inverter in inverted commas? What do you think of that? What do you think of that that deck or you know the various different ways it builds? Yeah, yeah, it is new on Magic Online in the sense that the interaction between uh, 
what is the name of that card? Metamorphic Alteration? Metamorphic Alteration and Archfiend of the Dross? Yes, yes. Right. So just yesterday, uh, during the Wednesday Moto downtime, the interaction between, between Metamorphic Alteration and Archfiend of the Dross has been fixed. Or I guess with the interaction of Alteration in general, it was bugged on Magic Online and used not to copy creatures at all but oh, really uh, I, thought the, I thought the bug was it would just give the counters <laughs> that's really funny that it didn't work at all well actually i'm not sure now but i guess it was fixed and that is important yes it's important that it works now so the combo is that you play an archfiend of the draws and then you play the metamorphic alteration on one of your opponent's creatures turn it into a copy of archfiend of the draws pass the turn to them Archfiend will trigger, and presumably the creature you put the aura on that your opponent controlled did not have any oil counters on, on it, so they loosen their upkeep. And uh, we played a pretty funny, pretty funny match earlier today. Yeah, when I was, I was say, you're, not, you're not describing the other the other half of the combo where your opponent plays Archfiend to draws, and then you put metamorphic alteration on their creature, and they die. Yes, exactly. You don't need to be the one controlling the Archfiend of the Dross. There just needs to be an Archfiend of the Dross in the battlefield. So this leads to very, very funny mirrors and very dangerous uh, situations. I was uh, foolish enough to cycle the Shark Typhoon on turn 3 and then follow it up with a Archfiend on turn 4 only to realize that your deck was not a classic Rogue's deck, but it was a, a Rogue's deck with uh, an extra surprise in it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, this, that's that's kind of the 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 other half of it. That no no one really knows how to build this deck yet. So someone was playing in either the US was it the US regionals? Someone was playing. Yeah, as a... it was. Yeah, CT... yeah. Safety stock. Do we have a name for the pilot? CFT Sock is the online online. Right. Name yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that's the Twitter Twitter handle I've been seeing tag. So they were playing, it and they kind of I think they did well on day one, and then kind of petered out a bit on day two. Yeah, they were already the the player who played um, the blade in standard, the, the the blue equipment where you equip on on your legendary creatures and you kind of pop off and kind of a combo version of the Grixis midrange deck. Um, and so I guess they were back at it with uh, the spice. You know, I didn't even know that was a combo. Did did you guys know that that combo even existed? No, and it was legal for the last Pioneer PP, so the, the one that you all played in Domino Creativity, I, I think this was legal. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it either. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of sick. So but what did you guys do? Did you just board out your Archfiends? Did you just board out the entire combo? How did you sideboard? Yeah, I did cut it down on my combo because it seemed fairly dangerous, and I had enough cards to turn my deck into like a proper blue-black control deck. Yeah, right. So you, our builds of the deck were slightly different. So you were playing it in a kind of blue-black control shell, and I was playing rogues with it in. And I didn't have enough cards to take out to take it all out. But I also thought that having Archfiend, having Archfiend wasn't necessarily that bad because it, you, know, you can actually just kill them with flyers in that matchup. And so I kept two Archfiend, one metamorphic alteration, and I was banking on you taking out a lot of your metamorphic alterations as well when I did that, just so I wouldn't get wouldn't get punked but i've seen other ways of build, building it as well so there's like 
uh, there's been Grixis mid-range versions, which are kind of your know, fables, uh, blood type harvesters, basically a red black deck splashing blue for delve spell plus metamorphic alteration. Uh, there's obviously the control book, control shell that looks like the old inverter decks that you were playing. Um, yeah, I was playing it in rogues. You know, there hasn't been a way to test it on mass, I guess, since uh, it's been bugged on Magic Online, and so no real consensus on what whether it's good or not, and what the best way to go about doing it might be at this point in time. Yeah, we're probably gonna see a little bit more of that deck in the upcoming week, maybe during the challenges during the weekend. Honestly, from like my experience, which was well, like one league deep, and I didn't play against maybe the most representative uh, selection of matchups as I faced uh, mirrors twice, yeah. uh, where I, I managed to die in the exactly same way in the second mirror I played too. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, but it, it does feel to me like the combo is pretty fragile, pretty demanding, and uh, a little bit frail overall right you need to control your arch fiends then you need your opponent to control a creature you need to have your two mana aura which you, which is not a good card outside of the combo at all uh, you need to play that aura on your opponent's creature and turn uh, their creature into your arch fiend successfully which can be interrupted by a variety of ways uh, including creature removal on either your arch fiend or your opponent's creature yeah. And some, you know, some decks just don't play creatures. Like you can play as Lotus Field or Control, and they will just not play a creature for the entire game. So like your alteration is just a dead card. You can play a Sacrifice, and then if they have a Witch's Oven, you will never get to enchant anything. It seems great ex versus exactly mono green. <laughs> yeah, I'm having having outs to kind of if if you can, if you can build your deck in such a way that it fixes the other map. You're good in the other matchups, but then not weak to mono green. I think that's 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 a pretty advantageous spot. I, I certainly think the deck is more a splinter twin than it is inverter. Inverter was so difficult to interact with, and so you're kind of ultimate. Like if you just cast inverter, it did its thing, and then you just had to resolve your other spell, and it all was yeah, yeah. to interact with you. Whereas this feels more like okay, I need to get a mediocre creature into play, and then put a completely dead enchantment on it, and and have that work out. So it feels a little bit more Splinter Twin-esque to me. But I, I actually think it's quite quite powerful. And there aren't very many decks in, in in Pioneer that don't have creatures. Even decks like Lotus Field have Arboreal Grazer in them and, you know, Vizier of Tumbling Sands or whatnot. Uh, the the, the blue-white control decks have Wandering Emperor that will increase into play Strict Proctor, as we've seen or just been discussing. So I, I don't think it's completely unreasonable. And you can, you know, if you're doing it in the way that I was doing it, you could just be an, aggress an aggressive kind of like you know, mid-range slash tempo deck at the same time and put pressure on them with Archfiend. They could still do the inverter thing, we just cast it and attack them with your 6-6 flyer. Yeah, I agree that having some other creatures to support your Archfiends to, to pressure your opponent seems like a great plan. Yeah, My he, build he, he was kill by itself, missing right? like, that. Only has on its own. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's pretty dangerous to cast on turn four just just naked with no no plan because he could just die. Yeah. This so this is this is where I'm gonna be focusing my attention in Pioneer just for, for idle fun, I think, over the next little while. Yeah. This, this sort of intrigued me a lot. So so you think the combos has potentials pretty good, Pat? I felt like it didn't look very good to me, but I, I'm usually I guess err on the side of caution and I, 
So I, 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 I agree with everything that, that, that Candice has said. It's fragile. It's kind of requires a lot of things to go right for you. But throughout my kind of like time playing magic, I've always gravitated towards these decks that have a kind of robust mid-range plan where you can, you can you have removal spells, you, you know, card advantage, discard spells, you know, it just ways of interacting with your opponent. And then you can, and then you just have this kind of way of just trumping people and things are going wrong. So like it, one of the, this blue by control deck, I think it's good, like just standard blue by control, like you were describing, I think it's good, but I find it has a real tough time against that kind of, you know, upper kind of 30% or 40% of hands from, um, from mono green. Like it really struggles if they're on the play and all these things happen. Well, everyone does. Right. Yeah, but everyone does, but this is actually a backdoor out to say, okay, they actually had their upper range of draws, but I still have outs to win. Like I can still just cast turn four Archfiend and then turn five, I can kill them. And even if I fall way behind and I, those sort of having those sort of lines in your deck makes me feel quite secure and lets me dedicate resources to kind of patching up other matchups and yeah i just it gives you a lot it's only seven or seven or so slots in your deck and a huge amount of flexibility to tailor your game plan for other matchups or you know make maximize your strengths elsewhere that's that's how i felt with the splinter twins how i felt with inverter um there's probably other combos i'm thinking of anyway that's that's just my this maybe is a huge bias in my game, though, where I just gravitate towards these sort of decks and spend a lot of time making them making them work for me. All right. So, prediction: Is it going to be a tier one deck? Is it going to be part of the good pioneer decks, or is it going to fall off once people's played it a bunch? I think it's going to fall off. Yeah. What about you, Pat? I think Safe Money says it's going to fall off, but I'm going to hold on to hope. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Should we move on to Lord of the Rings and Modern? Yeah, should we? yeah, I'd love to hear about this Lord of the Rings set, which I know nothing about. All right, so for Pat and people at home who don't know much about Lord of the Rings sets, it's a new set that's going to be legal in Modern and older formats in paper, as well as Historic and Arena. It's based on Lord of the Rings, obviously, and it's not meant as a new Modern Horizon set, as in super powerful cards. It was, um, you know, we actually, uh, maybe we can ask Canister uh, what the pitch was, you know, because I just found out that Canister was one of two consultants on the set out of active players. Um, there was him and there was um, Aspiring Spike too. So uh, yeah, why don't you talk to us a bit about that, that experience, how I went, I don't know anything about because it's it sounds pretty cool. I'm, I've never done anything like that for Wizards. Yeah, yeah, I did work on on the set as I was a consultant. I did get to peek at the file of the cards quite a bit earlier than uh, most of you, I guess, all of you listening. Uh, and uh, I was uh, in charge of providing my feedback, building decks, and. Uh, assessing the power level of the cards that I've been seeing and that was indeed the goal that I was that was set uh, in front of me it was to you know make sure that the set is not of the modern horizons 3 power level but uh, rather uh, a little bit on the lower side 
with some exciting uh, build arounds or new cars that are gonna shake up modern a little bit but overall much uh, lower level of impact than a horizon set would uh, have and uh, yeah i think uh, so far the reviews i see from from players like in my discord and twitter on some other discords and and on social media in general maybe a little bit uh, lower on the set as it does not strike uh, people as an extremely powerful set but i think there is uh, a few very interesting cards that uh, are going to make a difference yeah i agree i feel like it's cool it's a bit like not a standard set but you know, kind of what you would want maybe out of the standard set for modern, like nothing super obviously broken, but maybe there's maybe there's something good, maybe there's you know, cards that, that make their way into you know, a bunch of mid-range checks like Orcish Bowmasters or yeah. What would what you the... would you guys say that you are a big uh, fans of Lord of the Rings or are you lukewarm about it? The set or the 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 story the the books oh, i've the i've read the books and i've seen the movies but i wouldn't consider myself a, a big fan um this is my my shocking confession that i've never managed to successfully read the books uh, the attention span of an ad and i can't finish fellowship of the ring but i've watched the movies many times and i've read the hobbit lots of times and so yeah i'm kind of I, i'm into talking talking stuff nice i went to visit his grave it's nearby my house yeah well i've actually never seen the movies in their entirety and uh, i never read read the books so i'm actually fairly lukewarm about it but i have a few friends who who are very excited about lotra and it's kind of funny to see how how they react to you know reacted to new card spot and and they were like oh no wow it's stone bombardier it's so cool you're not invited to Yendrik's annual uh, watching party. I know he, he's he's in chat. He's, he's always right invited. Now. He just declines every time. And t- yeah, yeah TSP I, I was thinking, I was thinking of maybe doing it this 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 year. Maybe trying to watch the trilogy. Uh, maybe it's uh, about time. I guess with my work on the set would kind of fit. Yeah, what's the timeline? About two years, if I had to guess, a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, something around that. Back when I when I worked on the set, Lurus was still a car that was legal in the format, so it was quite a bit different, a bit of a different world. And how long um, how long did that last? How were you building decks and trying out cards? Uh, well, I just had access to to the cards, right? To the like file of the cards, I was building building decks with them and then sending them for. Uh, together with my with my with my feedback for further inspection. Okay. But you didn't like try to play games with I don't know Spike or someone and Wizard. I don't even know how that would work. You know, via some no some, no, no 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 no, just kind of brainstorming decks and um saying this. I think this card's a little bit too good. Are you were you suggesting changes to the cards? Yes, yes, I do need i will need to probably like go back review my notes from the past and like check exactly what happened back then because it was a while ago and it's much and i i have to tell you that 
magic cards are much less memorable when you don't have an actual like card with an artwork and uh, you know everything in front of you. Uh, I do plan on on going back and then maybe recording a, a YouTube video with some of the cooler stories that I have to that I can bring up from from that era. So certainly, uh, I will talk more about that, but I don't have too much more for you right now at the top of my head. Can I ask how and why you got approached to do this? Did they were they looking for your particularly your perspective because you? I, I regret saying this, but you have a reputation as a modern specialist. This is like that's that's about as damning of a criticism that I can lay upon a person. But um, or is it? I mean, it did appear. It did appear like it was. It was since like I had some kind of a reputation for that for for being a modern specialist. I yeah, guess. So they didn't. They didn't ask you outright. Have you seen these movies at all? No, no, no. That was not brought up. Good. Dorena would have excluded you if you'd revealed it too early in the process. We can't know. <laughs> we can never find. It. We'll never know. All right, that's great. I'm guessing that was not their concern. They're not too 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 worried about the flavor of the cards more what they do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've always wondered if I would do a good job making and designing cards because obviously, as you know, playing Magic my entire life, I've you know always thought that maybe if I move back to the state or move back move to the states. You know, maybe if I ever got put on quote a real job, it, you know, it would be kind of something that made sense for me to go work for wizards and designing cards. And I wanted to know if that's something you think you could do in the future. Do you think you'd be good at it? Did you enjoy it? Um, if they asked you to do it again for another set, would you say yes? Probably. I mean, it was it was pretty fun. It's also like you know, it's a different thing you talk about designing cards it's a little bit of a different thing when you you know when you're cons consulting um as a because you're i'm consulting as a player to assess the power levels of the cards that have already been created right the like designs that have already been prepared that is does seem and sound much different than you know working from straight straight uh from nothing, right? Just design the cards I'll try it from, from nothing. But I certainly would not be opposed to to doing something like that in the future. Yeah. I mean I guess they all have, you know, people have their strong suits. Some people are gonna be better at designing the cards from scratch, some people are gonna be better at balancing them and whatnot. But uh yeah. Cool, cool. So Sorry. I think there's there's the elephant in the room we haven't addressed. What does it mean to be tempted by the ring? I have no idea. Can someone explain the mechanics of the set to me? All right, I can do that. If you get tempted by the ring, well, okay, it's not that simple. When you get tempted yeah, yeah, by yeah. the ring, I was trying to bring up the. Oh, I thought you actually knew. I I can I can tell you what tempting by the ring is. It's basically a dungeon that goes on one of your creature. It has. Thank you for saving me. It has four stages of the dungeon. Um, the first one is basically every time you get tempted by the rain, I think you can make one of your creatures the ring bearer. And the first ability your creature gets is a Wait. Com oh. You make your creature a legendary ring bearer. True. So let's see if I get it right. I think the first ability it gets is it can't be blocked by a creature with higher power. The second. 
The second ability is when it attacks, you get to loot. Yes. The, the third ability is weird, I think, because first it's you can't be blocked, and I think the third ability is if it's blocked, something you draw a card maybe. No, no, no. When your ring bearer, ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, yeah, sacrifice that creature at the end of combat. Yeah. But Which it's... is an extremely odd of odd combination because when it already has the first ability, it cannot be blocked by creatures with greater power. So it becomes it's a wall killer. Maybe it's yeah, it becomes player. a wall killer. Yeah, and then the last ability is I think when your creature deals damage, they lose free life, or when it attacks, your opponent lose free I, life. I believe it is uh, deal damage. Yeah. So people have said it's pretty underpowered but mostly because i feel like the cards it's on are maybe a little underpowered but i don't i don't know i feel like it's it's okay it's it's kind of cool and interesting i mean i mean of course you say that as like moderns only arcades wall player right like of course you you yeah. think the ability is powerful because of the third chapter third uh, instance of the ring temptation being very powerful against your favorite deck but most people are not as much interested in in playing a wall of omens, so they're but not what as interested in it. Probably. Than a zero I love it. I've learned recently that I live rent free in Canister's mind these days because of Arcades, <laughs> and the fact that I'm able to win with a bunch of walls. Apparently, love it. Um... Right, so that clarified nothing for me about what Tempered by the Ring does, but that's okay. It sounds to me like it's kind of one of these like initiative style cards, which is doesn't look like it's obscenely powerful on its surface if you read any of the abilities individually, but it's probably better than it looks. It probably plays. Yeah, better it's than probably it better than it looks. I think it's pretty. It's not very close to initiative, right? Like in power level at least, maybe in function, a little bit because you are ascending like an extra outside of the game object. Through through some levels, I guess it's similar in that in that way. Power level wise, it just upgrades a creature that needs to be on the battlefield, uh, regardless of that. But it's a pretty decent upgrade. If you manage to get tempted by the ring four times, then your creature is hard to block, loots every time it attacks, and it also has free extra power. Basically, I guess deals free free more damage to your opponent. So. Let's say you like have you have a fully tempted Snapcaster Mage on the battlefield, right? That's gonna be unblockable except for one power creatures or zero power creatures. Uh, it's gonna be a wall killer. It's gonna just filter your hand every time, and it's gonna have effectively five power. So it's not nothing. Yeah. Um. Yes. Yeah, so there is. So just to clarify, you don't you don't require a card in particular called the ring to be tempted by the ring, right? It's just a kind of stapled on effect to various different spells and creatures. Yeah, some cards just right. say the yeah. ring the ring tempts you. Some spells, some creatures when they enter the battlefield. Yeah. All right, I could believe this. I could believe this plays better than it reads. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what where you put it on and if the cards. It's playable in the first place because having tempted better ring on it is not a huge huge upgrade yeah it's probably gonna be incidental value it's not gonna it's not gonna be like initiative which 
spawns a vintage deck and a legacy deck, right? Yeah. So, right. so what people have been saying that this is not a particularly high powered set, but what are some cards you think are going to make an impact in modern? Like, I've not even looked at the spoilers, so I'm I'm ready for you to read cards out to me that you think are actually pretty good, and we can talk about them. I think the safest bet for a card to actually, you know, as a card that's going to see play almost assuredly is Orkish Bowmasters, which has a bunch of text, but it does a lot of cool stuff. So it's a 1-1 for a black and a 1 Orc Archer. It has flash, and when it enters a battlefield, and whenever an opponent draws a card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, the Bowmaster deals one damage to any target, and you amass Orcs 1. Amassing Orc 1 means you get a 1-1 one, one Orc token if you don't have one yet, and if you already have an Orc token, it gets one bigger. It's the old amass mechanic, except I think it was Zombies um, when, when it first got printed in that one set. So you basically get 2 power and 2 toughness for 2 mana at flash speed. You get 1 damage to any target when it enters the battlefield. So killing a bird, a hierarch, a ragavan, a chandler, stuff like that, finishing off a Teferi, pinging a Teferi. Um, and you get that ability of dealing one damage to any target and amassing one whenever they draw a card, not just their first card on a turn. So like um, it's anything but their draw step. So even if they bubble trigger on your turn, you get to ping, you know, consider anything like that. So you know, it has a bit of everything going on for it and just seems like a super solid card overall. Uh, I feel like it's a card you, you're going to play in any any black mid-range decks, basically, you know, whether it's maybe Junt or maybe in Yogg, maybe in the Goryo Asmo deck. I've been playing a lot of these decks that have been pretty fun and good. So, yeah, just super solid card overall. Yeah, it seems pretty interesting. I would, I would probably think that it's... Uh might not be quite cutting it if your opponent is not drawing uh, cards except out of there except for the draw step but if they do then i think the value uh grows up pretty pretty quickly and noticeably and then it can actually do a decent amount of uh, stuff for a low low mana cost and also having flash very nice it's, it's like a really punishing card against Against Ragavan, it costs two mana, so doesn't really help against uh, Ragavan on the on the draw, which is of course the biggest issue, just kind of always. But if your opponent plays plays a Ragavan and you play Orcish Bowmasters on turn two, that's just such a such a big punishment. The future Ragavans are gonna be bad now because you have two two bodies. The Orcish Bowmaster sticks, and if you ever cast any considers or vicious bubbles it, it's gonna trigger again so it's honestly might be maybe it looks like it might even be worse than getting your ragavan killed by renin six yeah that's so many applications like i was recently trying out a mono white convoke deck was the convoke knight and locks it and i you know i wish that card was i was when i saw that card I was like maybe i'll just splash black in my deck just for that card it makes you know the the, the two bodies it's just overpowered raise the alarm yeah it's a pretty good it's pretty good for a raise the alarm 
It can be something to pair with your Ice Fangs. If you want to play kind of a Flash, you know, you're already at Snapcaster and Ice Fang. Uh, you know, I don't know if you need another Flash creature that provides value in these decks, but... Um, you know, you talk about... Pretty, pretty punishing against Wall of Omens and Wall of <laughs> uh, Bloodsmith, so that counts. Yeah, so I feel like that's kind of like one of the cards that... that, that stood out um there's the, the one ring too four mana artifact indestructible if you've cast it when it enters the battlefield you get protection from everything which means you don't take damage you can't be targeted or enchanted and um it also taps to draw you a card for the you put a burden counter or you draw a card and put a burden counter no put a burden counter and then draw cards equal to the amounts of burden counters on the ring. And in your upkeep, I think, you take one damage per burden counter on it. So, you know, you play it, you get protection, can't take damage, you get to draw a card off it. Next upkeep, you take one damage, you get to draw two cards. Uh, just seems like super powerful card. And, you know, yeah. whether it's in maybe Tron decks or just maybe any deck, any artifact deck, I'm not too sure that card is so different from from everything that's yeah that's that's a pretty interesting card just being able to tap out on turn four with impunity and just basically draws you three cards right and you wind up taking three damage but you you can't die on that tap out no no you actually end up taking just one damage right you play the ring you tap it you have protection then you untap there is one burden counter on it so you take one damage in your upkeep for one burden counter and then you then you tap it yeah then you tap it to draw two. Yeah, okay. So you only took one damage to to draw three cards with it. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's that's got a lot of text. That reminds me of kind of it's almost kind of yeah, it just in just in in, in function fun, or form form, sorry, it reminds me of Kaito where it kind of it sort of phases out. It's plays because it just phases out, you start to card advantage. But but it phases you out. I don't yeah. I just think this is, that's a really good card, I think. If you were ever going to play a four-mana Planeswalker, I think this is an equivalent version that just is really hard to kill. Yeah, I mean, the the protection ability just seems very, very powerful, especially if you have ways, some ways to use it repeatably. I guess you can, you can like, bounce the ring or replay the ring. It needs to be cast, so you, oh, it's you not as simple it? as right. blinking it. But, I don't know, the fairy bounce my ring, replay my ring, that's just... You know, protection from everything, that's that's a pretty good ability to have. Yeah, or you just play one, draw three cards, play another one, draw three more cards. Just kind of chain them, have protection the whole time. Um, we are talking about modern where a bunch of decks just main deck three and four spell peers and four some negation. So, you know, your, your, your four mana spell, your sorcery speed four mana spell better be damn good, but... That one definitely feels like it, it might it might be. What do you think about the um, let's say flavor? Like the fact that the first place where your mind goes with the one ring is to play multiple of them and chain them and like <laughs> replay one every turn. I was and, like they also have the entire excuse me? I was under the impression there was only one copy in the entire world. Yeah, yeah, especially with that entire campaign with the one 
of one serialized ring that's gonna sell sell for millions of dollars or whatnot. And like the the end game actual optimal strategy is, seems to be just to play four copies and then like draw extras with each other. Yeah, I mean I could see that card just shaping the meta where if it looks like it's a, a good card, there might just be some some strats that are borderline obsolete. Um if you can't if you can't meaningfully interact with it. Yeah, I think it if if it was to become a wise part of the metagame, it definitely obsolete's like comp just like one turn kill combo decks in a lot of respects. Like if you just stay alive until you can start putting the ring into play, then you have so much card advantage and your shields are up and you just don't die on that tap out turn. Yeah. It it fully protects you from Archon, right? Archon targets. Yes, Archon targets. Yeah. Yeah. Rhinos can force it, but they're mostly just trying to deal damage to you. But so this but this 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 flavor violation essentially of the optimal strategy of playing the one ring is to play multiple copies of it. Isn't that the sort of thing that you were brought in as a as a consultant to kind of rule out? That's the sort of Maybe. thing that you're trying to let that they they brought you in to kind of get rid of, right? So yeah, possibly that's that. well, possibly, possibly yes. Although the one ring, back when I was uh, seeing the cards in the set, was looking much different, and it seems like it came through through lots of iterations. I guess that that was the card that they paid a, a lot of attention to, and they probably had a lot of different ideas and a lot of, a lot of different uh, approaches before yeah, so they, they arrived they, at they, what they were they satisfied with. Yeah, overdeveloped. Doesn't doesn't act like the one ring at all. Though I do enjoy the I do enjoy the flavor aspect of you put the ring in the play and you disappear for. That's uh, that's pretty emblematic of what the one ring does. So, Canister, yeah. do you have do you have a card or two you're uh, you're excited about, or do you know which which what what's the first card you're gonna try out? The first card I'll try out is gonna be Forge Anew. Which is a three mana white enchantment, two and a white. When Forge and you enters the battlefield, you return target equipment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. As long as it's your turn, you may equip activate equip abilities anytime you could cast an instant. And you may pay zero rather than pay the equip cost of the first equip ability you activate during each of your turns. So basically it's just another enabler for Hammer, another uh, equipper for Hammer, which I think is uh, great news for the deck and it's going to make the deck uh, better. Uh, I've played Hammer a bunch uh, lately. It's been a deck I've focused my attention on for a few few months this year. And uh, certainly being bottlenecked on the amount of equippers you can that are good that you can put into your deck was a big issue, I felt, because there is a big drop off uh, between Pure Seal Paladin, Sigarda Zaid, and uh, Core Outfitter, right? And Forge New seems to be to be much better than that to me. Uh, it's a re- repeatable effect. It's an enchantment, so it's not trivial to interact with. It has an ETB effect that will help you against uh, Fossil Vigor, Posejus, or uh, Engineered Explosives that destroy your hammers sometimes. And it also 
helps you switch your hammers at instant speed, which is very good against blockers, very good against uh, damage-based removal and and all that stuff. Just seems like an excellent card to me, and I think it's going to kind of reshape the way we think about building hammer in uh, in the next few weeks. So that's going to be the first thing I'll be trying. You're way more optimistic than I am about that card. I feel like it's a little expensive. The effect is fine, but not great. You don't, people don't usually kill your your equipments. Um, I agree. The ability is super nice. You know, it it's actually something that neither neither Aid nor Paladin does because Paladin you need free artifacts, and it's pretty common for the deck not to have free artifacts. Um, yeah, it can be a struggle to get Metalcraft. Yeah, um, and obviously aid. You need to have it in play before you play the hammer. Uh, you know, you'll have these these hammer draws where the hammer player just goes hammer, just cast hammer without aid, just hoping to draw the the two two, just because they have you know nothing better to do. And yeah, we'll see. I I don't think the card's a game changer, but maybe it'll make hammer a bit better. I feel like hammers hasn't impressed me much i've been beating hammer a lot i used to have that thing where i used to play bad and get unlucky against hammer and have the kind of hammer time curse but lately i feel like i've just been beating hammer with creativity beating hammer with the goria decks beating hammer was the the deck the mono red midrange check i was playing earlier um, so i've not been super impressed and i feel like hammer needs a little help um what about well, um... If you're saying that it needs a little help, then I think this card might just be that, right? Yeah. Do you think yes. the the white remand is gonna be good? There's literally white remand in the set, like the the blue remand card, but in for white and one. Do you think that card's gonna see a little play maybe in the deck like Hammer? Yeah, why not? It's called what exactly? Reprieve. Reprieve. It's not. It's not exactly remand. It does not counter the spell. It spells out the ability fully. It says return target spell to its owner's hand. So oh wow, make, makes it slightly better than Remand in Modern, mm-hmm. with the occasional Cavern of Souls on on Primeval Titan or, or whatnot. So that's pretty big, actually. Yeah, for Titan specifically. Okay. Yeah. So that's certainly a nice uh, ability. I'm not sure if it's gonna see all that much play, right? Because when was the last time you've seen a Remand in a Actually, I believe someone who won a Magic Online challenge with two Reman in their main deck recently was Merktide. But I agree, I feel like the card's just not very good because the spells are so cheap. There's Cavern of Souls, too, in in some decks. So there's some some, some matchups where it doesn't really do much. Even in theory, you would be like, okay, pretty good against Merktide, pretty good against the Cascade spells. But it's so, so hard to keep two mana up, um, especially when you have nothing else at instant speed. You know, it's one thing to keep two mana up in in your control deck, but, you know, even a card like Hollow Moonlight that can be really good in some matchups, it's not trivial to to, to keep two mana up. Um, I was playing, I think I was playing Creativity against Rhino the other day, and I had all these great sideboard cards, but it was kind of awkward. Um, to try and keep mana up. The 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 hammer deck does it okay with Urza Saga and Stoneforge Mystic, but then when you have Urza Saga active, it feels a bit bad to to spend your mana on something else. 
Um, I could see it being good, you know, in combination with Hollywood Moonlight, with Surge, so kind of that little diversity and maybe makes it that much harder to play against. Yeah. I So, yeah, I, I, I agree. It does not seem, like, particularly excellent, although we could say that the power of the card lies in the fact that it is in the color that traditionally does not gain access to stack interaction uh, in that sense, so that certainly might be opening new cyber options for for decks that did not have them in the in the past so yeah i like that aspect of the card i think it's pretty cool that's that's my uh that that's that's my read on it as well is that i'm the biggest reman fan on planet earth it's one of my favorite cards of all time and it's not good enough for modern in my opinion but having access to that effect in non non blue decks out of the sideboard is something that could you know be pretty important if you want to get your like you know your white creature deck to to be able to beat whatever haymaker that your opponent has, like it, it counters supreme verdict and that sort of stuff. That's pretty big value, and so sideboard option I think it's actually pretty reasonable for non blue decks. Yeah, format has evolved. I think it was modern, right? When when we built the white deck and Paul Ritzel won the Pro Tour in Amsterdam, was that already modern or was that before modern and it was something else? That was modern, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe that was extended. Maybe it was it still extended? What was? What was in the deck? Wait, wait, this one was white. Mono white aggressive. Student of Warfare. Was it standard? That was a standard. That was like 2011 standard. Because, anyways, my point was that I think in our sideboard we had the. I think it was a free mana memory lapse. Lapse of certainty. Yeah, I think it's white and two, and it's it's memory lapse, and we had that card in our sideboard just because. We wanted to be able to interact a bit with, I think it was Scapeshift was a deck in the format, maybe maybe even Titan. And, you know, that's that's a little bit of, of that, but but better, so. Anyways. Yeah, you wish you had White Remain back then. Yeah. Um, anyways, there's a few more cards. Uh, I think I one just, that's... I, sorry, I just, sorry, I just looked it up. It was Pro Tour Amsterdam 2010, it's extended. Okay, well, it's still extended. Okay. Yeah, and modern modern came into being twenty eleven. Yeah, because some of the decks were a little like what you could find in modern and stuff. But, anyways, um, one card that was spoiled pretty early on, and I thought was is gonna be good almost for sure. It's delighted halfling. It's a one two four one green halfling citizen. It taps for colorless, or it taps for mana of any color. But you can only spend this mana to cast a legendary spell. So an Arcadius, for example, and that spell cannot be countered. It can cast the Fairy, the new Nissa. Just having a two-toughness mana dork, I think, is really good against uh Ren and Six specifically. Now you have the Bowmaster too, so if that card starts seeing play. Um and yeah, I think that card just excellent. I'm not sure. How good the can be countered is, how much value it adds. It's obviously better than nothing. And you know, you know, I've I've gotten my Arcades disputed a bunch, or it means they can't spell Pierce your Teferi. Uh so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that card's just really good. Um Teferi with with this seems pretty excellent. Honestly, right? If you play turn one halfling, turn two Teferi. Let's say you're playing as against a cascade deck, right? Just that seems excellent. Yeah, I played a bit of Omnap with Utopia Sprawl recently, 
and I was super underwhelmed just in general by, I guess, by Omnath, and I felt like, you know, if Sprawl is, Sprawl in, in this kind of deck wasn't super impressive to me, I, I'm not sure how much a card that just dies to a bolt or unholy heat is going to be, but yeah, in theory, it does sound great to, uh, to, to play the Pharaoh too. It also seems great in Yogmov to me, right? You can play, you can tap it for Colored Mana, you can summon a Grist or Yogmov that cannot be countered. That also seems like a big deal. I think uh, getting Yogmov countered was a pretty common way for Yogmov, the deck, to lose against Merktide or Control. And another common way for Yogmov to lose was to play. A Birds of Paradise on turn one and get it pinked by Ren and Six, and both of those things uh, are no longer gonna happen if you exchange your dorks for the halflings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, so that was another one, and then a couple one that I mean, there, there's like maybe I would say maybe 10, 15 cards that have a little potential. There's um, there's a new two two four two that combos was basically if you have the two two four two a cat and a sack outlet um, that you can use multiple times. So like the Seraseer, uh, you've got an infinite infinite damage combo. But I want to talk about a couple blue cards. There's a Flame of Anor. Anor, Anor. It's a blue, a red, and one. And it's a bit like a charm. It has three modes that you can choose from. One is target card draws two cards. One is destroy target artifact, and one is deal five damage to target creature. And on top of that, if you control a wizard, you get to choose two. So if you have Snapcast from Agent Play, you get to draw two cards and deal five damage to a creature, for example. And I don't know. Obviously, that card it, it is really good, but does it have a home? If you're playing blue-red, don't you want to just be Merktide? If you're Merktide... You don't have wizards in your none of your creatures are wizards. Not the ones people play right now anyways. And you know, does that card is that card good enough for Merktide? Are, are you just playing a bad Merktide deck if you're trying to build around that card? I, I don't know, but you know, it's 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 a really, really powerful card. Um so I'm kind I of just did a quick search. Hmm? I just did a quick search on Scryfall to make sure that Arcadis, the strategist, is not an Elder Dragon wizard, and unfortunately, he's not. It's just an Elder Dragon. So that synergy is out of the window. Yeah, uh, I know Delver is a wizard, but not when it flips. There's Snapcast from Age. There's there's a few others that are, but I think that the most obvious the most obvious one is Snapcast from Age. Maybe Dreadhorde Arcanist is is another potential one. Asmarano Mardikai Sinakuldakar is also a wizard, although that would be kind of a weird pairing. Someone mentioned it. I was like, that sounds kind of good. I've been I've been enjoying the the Asmogoria decks. I could I could seal I mean we're already kind of playing red for Fable, so just add some blue. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit annoying that Flame of Honor deals five damage to target creature. And it's just creature you cannot shoot a plane soccer. It would be really nice to deal five damage to a Ren or a Teferi that plus, right? Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, since uh, the Middle Earth is not a part of the multiverse, 
There is no planeswalkers ah. there, so you cannot deal damage to a planeswalker on on, on the middle earth. Yeah, the ship does not any target. What's the big deal? Five damage. Not that good. Yeah, yeah. All right. What about the new factor fiction? Have you seen that card yet? No. Bargain. It's called Sauron's Ransom. Ransom, not bargain. And it's in between Factor Fiction and Atris ability, basically. So it's a black, a, a colorless, and a blue. Three mana, instant speed, blue, black. Choose an opening. They look at the top four cards of your library and separate them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Uh, I hope this card's really good. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. And you're going to love that, Pat. The ring tempts you. Oh, the ring tempts me. <laughs> that's great okay um i think it's, it's atris right yeah atris is like one of my favorite new designs i really love that card i wish it was better i really hope this card's good yeah i mean yeah i think it's instant is it an instant it is an instant, yeah, it's, an instant. it's gonna be interesting because was atris in practice i think it was almost impossible to pick the wrong pile this one might be a little more interesting, a little more mind games. Like, they, oh, they can split it anyway, right? Like, can you ever remember picking a pile of Atris and then B, A, being wrong, and also it being meaningful? I think it's literally almost impossible to pick the wrong pile and it being mean, in a meaningful way, you know? I mean, sure, you can maybe pick a worse pile, but almost never in a meaningful way. I've given my opponent one land face down before, and they've rejected two medium spells. But like, yeah, I guess you're probably right. It's not, it's not meaningful. Yeah, but if they reject two medium spells, that probably means that... Well, it's not clear what it means, I guess. Uh, the the, the it, situation it that was, just... spot was they, they, had, they had slim outs and they needed them. And I just pretend. yeah 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 but um no I I think I think you're probably right I mean it, it is this kind of the, do the cards go to your graveyard yes the rest of the cards go to the graveyard which I think is pretty yeah, pretty that, great that, that, that tips the favor I was gonna say if it's if it's kind of like draw the worst two or four it's probably not great but if it's draw the worst two or four and cards in your graveyard I think I think that card's probably playable. But what's its home? I just don't know. I moderns. I don't know if we should just set with Pioneer legal, but then that would all adulter. I like Pioneer being pure. Yeah. People play Shadow Prophecy right now in some of the Garius deck, and that card does a bit of that. It's uh, it's a little different, but you don't pay the two life, and I guess you don't, can... you don't need domain. Yeah, you don't need domain. They can put. For example, they can put Goryo and the creature in the same pile, whereas you would want, you know, ideally to get the vengeance and then bin the bin the big creature. But um, I, th I think that card's really interesting. The fact that it goes to a graveyard um, might just be good enough for card advantage. You know, Factor Fiction has seen a tiny bit of play. People usually just play Memory Deluge now, but the one mana cheaper is is nice. It does compete with Archmage Charm. 
if if you're playing heavy blue but yeah maybe more in these uh these kind of graveyard takes uh, basic and and the ring tempts you i don't think it's like totally marginal you know you 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 it, it adds up i mean i'm, I'm yeah it's certainly this. sorry yeah, good answer it's certainly a card that seems uh close to playable besides the ring tempts you text so it's just extra marginal value on top of that which is certainly nice and it's gonna add up to some to some game wins over the course of uh tournaments i guess yeah i'm, I'm just imagining this card goes in decks that contain lots of cheap instants and snapcaster mages and like thought seasons and ledger shredders and stuff like that and the ring tempting you is added value in those spots and filling out the graveyard is added value in those spots I, I, if it if there was some blue black deck if i was playing some blue black tempo deck i would try this try this card out that's for sure yeah there's just enough lines of text on it i think it'd be good and atris fun games are fun all right i have a few other cards on, on on the list but i feel like these ones were the main one i want to mention we would probably talk about more uh the set obviously in the in the coming weeks. Um, it was legal on, on Moto. The set comes out next Tuesday um, on Magic Online. Right. So presumably next next episode we'll at least got our hands on some of the cards and had a chance to play them. Yeah, depending on if we record on on Tuesday or Thursday, we're we're recording on on Thursday right now, Friday the the fifteenth. Yep. So. Well. Anything else you want to talk about? I want to mention that there is one wall in the set. Oh, okay. But unfortunately, it's a black common, Mordor Trebuchet. Damn it. So, nothing for you, Gab, in the set. What about defenders? Defenders are not always walls, are they? Uh, let's let me make sure. I mean, I feel like to be, to be pure purer about it. You really need Arcadia's decks to only have walls, not defenders. What does Mortar Trebuchet do? A 1-4 for free mana defender. Whenever you attack with one or more goblins and or orc... Oh my god, I'm not going to finish reading that. <laughs> There's oh, one more defender. Fire Scarecrow. An 0-3 for 2 mana. Mm -hmm. No, it's not very good for your Arcadia's deck. No, it gets lightning bolt. Uh, true. We didn't. We could mention. We didn't mention that uh, the new counter spell. I think it's going to be a sideboard card. The one blue counter creature that has power, toughness two or less. Um. Yeah. What? That it, seems pretty good. It, it seems really good, but I think there's right now, anyways, there's too many decks in modern that just don't have a target for it. Whether it's creativity or, I mean, Rhinos technically has Brazen Bar and and Charles Agent, but there's just a bunch of decks that have no targets for it. It is incredibly powerful against a deck like Yogg. They need counters Grist, right? Yes, Grist is a 1-1 one, one one, insect one. on the stack. Yeah, uh, seems okay to me. It has The card has spell snare vibes to me. Like You will see people have one in their deck or in their sideboards sometimes. All right, yeah. well, scattering any creatures is not a great place to be. I don't think essence scatters a, 
a modern playable card. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it costs one mana is a big deal, but that spell pierces more 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 modern speed than uh than things that only kind of reaches. Yeah. But you know, it's always trading off a mana, and that's great. It feels uh, yeah, it feels like you're not probably not gonna find room in your deck in a deck like Murktide. Maybe if you're playing Snapcaster Mage, you can main deck one, sideboard one or two. Yeah, um, maybe if you're like a Snapcaster Thought Scout deck, you can just have like one of that one spell snare or a spell pierce and a minor misstep. Like we were talking thing. earlier about um, the new one two, like Cancer was talking about the one two integrist. So that was as a control player one of the biggest problems against Yogg is just Chris in general, especially when you're on the draw. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And that could have been an answer, I guess, but now there's there's a one-two that, that makes that card look kind of bad. So, yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be, like, have a huge impact. Well, I'm going to guess that's bringing us roughly towards the end of the episode, and are we going to uphold our Season one tradition. Oh, like, oh what are we going to do about life on the line? It's kind oh, of we definitely have to keep doing a life on the line. Thank you. Good. I'm really glad we're going to keep the hundred percent. Canister, are you familiar with life on the line? Yes, I have to choose a deck, and if I choose wrong, I will literally die. That's Not if you choose wrong. You so lose. If you lose the tournament, you die. If you win, you live. And we have to pick a deck for every format we've talked about. So pioneer. And modern was Lord of the Rings. Who, who who wants to go first? Not me. Alright, I'll go first. In Pioneer, I'm gonna play Blue Black Control, Rip. And in Modern, I'm gonna play Arcades was Delighted Halfling. <laughs> little, little I mean, I guess I'm drawing pretty dead this week. But you die twice, it doesn't bring you back to life. It's been nice knowing you, Gab. Yeah. I guess uh, we're going to be looking for yet another host for the podcast (laughs) very soon. All right. Do you you want to get this? All right. If I were to choose my decks that I would like to entrust my life to in Pioneer and Modern with uh, Lord of the Rings, I would go, I have enough confidence in the power level of Forge Anew that I would go with Hammer with Forge Anew. How many, how many copies do you think you, you'll, you'll play in the first, first version you try? Two or three. Okay. Probably like 10, 11 equipers total sounds good to me. I think the cards will be like Giver of Runes or the protection spells from the main deck. I think you need you're gonna need less protection like that because you're just gonna be able to re-equip more often. So instead of having to battle through removal with a surge of salvation in game one, you can battle through removal by re-equipping once again with forging you. Dude, you can tell Cancer it's set two years to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> he was like, I don't really remember. I'd have to look at my notes. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So th- I was preparing for that moment when I was when I when I knew I will have to entrust my my life to to a Magic the Gathering deck. As far as Pioneer goes, 
Ooh. I could say sacrifice and just like roll with it still and uh, it could be fine, could be a bit uh, dangerous. I could say Archfiend of the Draws and Alteration, but then I would be drawing dead. I I think I'll go with sacrifice still and I will I'll be crossing my fingers. Yeah. You're not not deterred by your three four performance. You're due for a win. Yeah. Alright, well, I'm going to lay down my life to Archfiend of Dross. I'm going to take my 3-0 record, as it currently stands in the league, as gospel, and say that the deck is unbeatable, and winning the mirror against Canister is definitive proof. And in modern, I'm going to continue my broken record status and say, I'm just going to play Blue-Red Murktide. I don't, I don't think it's, hands down, the best deck in the format, but I think it's the best deck for me. All right. Any any wizardry? Any flames of of Anor in your no. blue red deck? No Lord of the Rings cards. Zero. All right. Well, you're, you're not be, tempted. I'm, I'm going to be taking advantage of everyone who's putting stupid cards. In. Fine, fine. Anyways, if you made it this far, as always, um, thank you so much for listening. It was great to be back. Yes, agreed. It's nice. Canister, where can we find you? You can find me on twitch.tv slash canister underscore mtg. Twitter.com slash canister underscore mtg. YouTube.com slash canister. Nice. What about you, Pat? MTG. You can find me at gets underscore smart on Twitter. And that's about it. And you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash yellowhat. Um, yeah. Competing with Scanister for viewers. That's right. Cannibalizing one another. Minus the amazing uh, gachi music. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's, the <laughs> that's the end. And we'll uh, see you all next time. Take care, everyone. Bye. Take care, bros.